Turn your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Judges, chapter 13, to start off. The book of Judges, chapter 13. And as you're turning there, a Sunday school teacher asked the children in her class, she said, how do I get to heaven? She said, if I sold my car and my house and I give all the money to the church, will that get me into heaven? And her class says, no, teacher. She said, okay, what if I clean the church every day? If I mowed the yard and I kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? Again, her class yelled out, no. She said, okay, what if I was nice to animals? I gave candy to all the children and I loved everyone. Would that get me into heaven? Once again, they all together answered no. She said, well then, how do I get into heaven? Five-year-old little Davy shouts out, you gotta be dead. From the mouths of babes, right? Amen. When we stop and, and we look back at our life, we see many unexpected blessings from our gracious Lord, don't we? But we also have to admit, we also see some unexpected heartaches and trials as well, don't we? We all have experienced surprises, both good and bad along life's journey, haven't we? I don't know about you, but at times I've, I've stopped to think about how surprised they, I am of, you know, how some things turned out for the ones that I grew up with, the, the ones that I went to school with. For instance, I had classmates that I thought had no chance whatsoever to make it in life. Amen? They wore those thick glasses, the, the button-up shirts, and everybody picked on them every single day. You know, they were known as the nerds or the geeks, right? Well, we don't call them nerds and geeks today. We call them boss because they're the ones running the big companies, amen? And on the flip side, I also had classmates that I thought had incredible potential to do great things in life. But instead, they made some wrong choices along the way and they were never able to recover from them. Sad thought. This is especially true knowing that God has a unique plan. God has a unique purpose for all of us. I've seen so many believers through the years that had such great spiritual potential. Amen? They could have done so many things for the Lord. They had many spiritual gifts and talents and, and could have accomplished so much for the kingdom of God. But they allowed the flesh, this world, and Satan into their lives, and it quenched the Holy Spirit inside of them. They allowed sin to blind them and take them down a, a dark path of bad choices and the consequences that come with them. Listen to what the Bible says about the born-again believer in Psalm 37, 23. God says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God is telling us that our life's purpose is already planned. Amen? However, we have to understand that he also created us with a free will to choose. 
We have a free will to choose. And if we want to uncover the blessings he has prepared for us, if we want to discover our life's true potential, we have to have a willing heart that chooses to yield to the potter's hands. Amen. A willing heart. This morning, I want to consider a man who had just absolutely enormous potential. A man blessed of God with supernatural strength. A man chosen. A man anointed to accomplish mighty things for the Lord. This man could have been, and this man should have been, one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. Instead, his life story stands as a lasting warning on how not to live. It stands as an example of wasted strength. Everything that we do to please our flesh, everything that we do just to please the world is wasted strength. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I wish I had the strength I used to have. Amen? I can't afford to waste any more strength than I, than I already have. Let's pick up in the book of Judges, chapter 13. We're going to start right at verse 1. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son." And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. I want you to notice in verse 5 the wording that God uses. God said he shall begin to deliver Israel. Now that's important because we have to understand the life of this man. Now skip down to verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaol. So the first thing I want us to consider this morning are the consequences of compromise. The consequences of compromise. Now, Samson's life began with such great potential. He was chosen. He was blessed. And he was anointed by God himself. The Bible tells us that he was to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, if you go to Numbers chapter 6, and we're not going to do it for time's sake, but in Numbers chapter 6, it details what a Nazarite vow was. And it's a vow that separates someone unto the Lord. And as part of that vow, the Nazarite was forbidden to consume anything from the grapevine. They couldn't eat grapes. They couldn't eat raisins. 
they couldn't drink wine. In that vow, it also stated that they couldn't touch a dead body. And thirdly, they also could not cut their hair. And Samson was very obedient, and he kept this vow for the beginning of his life. And as a result, God blessed him, blessed him with supernatural strength that was tied to his uncut hair. Now, unfortunately, over time, Samson began to make little compromises in his walk with God. Now, I want to stress this, that these were very little compromises. And too often, we underestimate the huge consequences that little compromises cause. Amen? The huge uh, consequences that come with little compromises. Think back, most of you here, maybe some of you younger ones may not remember, but back in 1986, remember the space shuttle disaster? Anyone remember what the cause of that explosion was? A tiny little O-ring, right? A massive disaster caused by a tiny part that had been compromised. Amen? Never overlook the impact of making even the smallest compromises in your walk with God. Amen? For Samson, his eye was caught by the beauty of an unbelieving Philistine woman. He quickly tells his parents, I want you to get her to be my wife. Now, we need to understand that God made it very clear to the Israelites that they were not to marry unbelievers. Amen? They were not to marry pagan wives or husbands. And this is the same command that God actually gives us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now, when the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together, that word yoked means joined together. This includes not just marriage, okay, a believer should not marry an unbeliever, but it also pertains to business partnerships as well. A believer should not go in business with an unbeliever. And God explains why, and it's to keep us from being influenced. It's to keep the believer from being swayed to compromise by that unbeliever. Amen? Now, as we continue to read, nevertheless, Samson, he decides to compromise on this biblical command. And the consequences... And all the problems soon follow, not just in his marriage, but in every aspect of his life. Conflicts begin to arise, but by his grace, God delivered Samson by way of his supernatural strength. And with each deliverance, God was giving Samson a wake-up call. God was telling Samson, look, stop compromising my word. Stop compromising your walk with me. 
Stop going down that wrong path. But Samson's compromises continued, and it made him spiritually weak. And he gives in to the temptations of his flesh. He gives in to the temptations of his old nature. Skip down in Judges, skip to chapter 16, if you would. Verse 1. Listen to what happens to his life. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, and he pulls them up, bar and all, puts them on his shoulders, and carries them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So we read here that Samson's compromises, those little compromises, start to get bigger and bigger. And here he goes to Gaza and he sleeps with a harlot. And when the men of Gaza, they get word that he's there, they set a trap to kill him. But once again... God delivers Samson through his supernatural strength. The Bible tells us that he, he rips the gates of the city, post and all, up out of the ground, puts them on his shoulders, and carries them to the hill at Hebron. Now, from Gaza to the hill at Hebron, that's 38 miles. That's incredible strength. And the Philistines, they were scared to death when they saw what he did. And this is what makes Samson's story so sad. All his strength, all the potential that he had was completely wasted. And now Samson actually starts to get very, very arrogant. He begins to put his faith, he begins to put his trust in his own strength, and his own ability to get him out of any problem. He's no longer trusting in God and giving God the glory and the credit. He had power without purity. For about 20 years, God had delivered Samson without tasting one defeat through his supernatural strength. But now Samson had drifted from God's side to the point that he believed that he could do anything he wanted and get away with it. He became arrogant in God's gift. Second point I want us to see this morning is the seduction of sin. Skip down to verse 4, staying in Judges 16, verse 4. The Bible says, Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, 
And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like other men. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as strands of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, Samson kind of plays this little game with Delilah several more times. And notice how Satan works here. Satan understands that he cannot defeat Samson on the battlefield. So Satan decides to take the fight to the bedroom. And he serves up a beautiful dish called Delilah. Now we need to understand that sin always comes in very attractive packages to catch our eyes. Amen? Always comes in very attractive packages. Sin is never going to appear as that wretched and ugly and horrible thing that it is. It's always going to come upon us as shiny and bright and glittering and glistening. Amen? Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You see, the truth is, if sin didn't have a certain fun factor, it wouldn't be so popular. Amen? Bet you never thought you'd hear that sin is fun in church before, did you? But we need to understand it's only fun for a very short time. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 25, tells us that there is only a passing pleasure to sin. A passing pleasure. Sin may be pleasurable for a little season, but in the end, it leads to destruction. The Bible tells us very clearly that the wages of sin is what? Is death. Sin always leads to destruction. Let's go back to Judges chapter 16. Skip down to verse 15. Then Delilah said to Samson, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and, and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. <laughs> Imagine that. That he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak. And be like 
any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man, and he had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out just as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. We need to understand that sin will always take us farther than we want to go, keep us longer than we ever wanted to stay, and it will cost us more than we could ever afford to pay. Amen? Delilah has Samson lay his head on her lap, and, he lo- and she looks down at him, and she says, Samson Pooh, that's the original Hebrew, uh, you know, word for Samson, Samson Pooh. If you love me, then you'll tell me your secret. Let me tell you something. That is Satan's lie from the beginning of time. Amen. How many teenage girls have been fed that same lie from their boyfriends? If you love me, you'll sleep with me. Same lie that Satan has told from the beginning of time. There's absolutely no love there. Amen. We need to learn from Samson. And we need to understand that we cannot compromise, period. Amen? Let's go to verse 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Listen, sin will blind us, then sin will find us, and then sin will grind us. Sin will blind us from the truth. That promise seems so tempting at the time, that promise of fun, but then sin finds us. Eventually, that promise of pleasure, that promise of fun, will give way to the harsh reality of sin's consequences. We have to understand with sin, payday will come. Amen? And then sin will just grind us. All the stress, the anxiety, the weight of it all will just wear us down. The broken relationships, that broken marriage, the broken friendships, the broken trust leads to a broken life. Sin will absolutely grind us down. Amen? Let's go to verse 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, 
the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. And so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who had held uh, him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. A lot of people will say, see, his, you know, his sinful life didn't turn out so bad. He got his strength back, and he killed the Philistines in the end. The problem is, that's only part of the story. Let's keep reading in verse 30. Then Samson said, and he cried out, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead, listen to this. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. You see that great cost he paid? His sin cost him his life. You say, preacher, but we all have to die. Yes, we do. But his life ended way too early, way too soon. God had to take Samson home because of his sins. Took him home early. Before he could accomplish his purpose. We have to think, what could his life have been? If he didn't compromise, what could his life have been if he lipped up uh, to God's purpose? We have to understand that sin is always a trap. And we have to be careful not to waste our strength on it. If we take the bait, we're going to quickly realize that the pleasure was far less than advertised. Amen? But also the pain was far more than expected. I want to close with this truth. There's an underlying message in this story of Samson's life, and it's the fact that God is a God of second chances. Amen? He's not a God of one mistake and you're out. Praise God for that. Just as he gave Samson wake-up call after wake-up call, chance after chance. Let's be honest, if we looked at our life, he's done the same for all of us, hasn't he? He's given us all chance after chance. The God of second chances. The fact that you're here today listening is proof of that truth, amen? Amen. 
Don't miss the opportunity to find your purpose. To find that unique purpose that God has planned for your life. And I also want you to understand that it's also never too late. Amen? It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. None of that matters. It's never too late to come home to the Lord. Amen? Just read. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 80 years old. Nothing at all. God gave me something for you, Charlie. Bottom line is that God has a purpose for all of us no matter our age. Amen? Young or old, middle-aged, it doesn't matter. I urge you to find it and reap the blessings that God has planned for you. Amen?